We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Rob Doster here for The Field of 60. Today, we are bringing you another episode in our Off the Carousel series, where we will be joined by each and every new head coach to the Division I ranks. There are almost 60 of them. We're going to be rolling these out a couple of days throughout the month of May and the month of June, so make sure that you subscribe to the channel. And if you like this interview, don't be afraid to tap that like button. That stuff really does help our channel and help our presence on YouTube. It helps more people like you find this content. And since I have you guys here, make sure that you check out our Instagram and TikTok pages. We are going to be pumping out more unique content over there throughout the summer heading into next season. Like, for example, did you know that Penny Hardaway was shot when he was a player in college? I bet you didn't know that. There are more stories like that on those pages. The links are in the description below. So now, without further ado, let's get into another edition of Off the Carousel. And on today's episode of Off the Carousel on the field of 68, presented by Bet Rivers, we welcome in the new head coach, the Chattanooga Mox. It is Dan Earl who's joining us on the field of 68. And Dan, you come to Chattanooga. Why the Mox for Dan Earl? Yeah, you know, a bunch of different reasons, John. First of all, thanks for having me. Uh, but Chattanooga is an awesome place. Great job. Uh, got a bunch of history and tradition. Obviously went to the NCAA tournament last year, uh, played against Illinois. You may have seen that game. You know, we're winning for 39 and a half minutes and ended up losing, uh, losing late. Um, but, you know, so they have history and tradition. A bunch of very good coaches have been through here. A bunch of very good players. Uh, tremendous support. Uh, we're doing new locker rooms and uh, beautiful arena, 11,000 seat arena. So the facilities are in place. Uh, and then on top of all that, uh, it's a great place to live. The city of Chattanooga is phenomenal. I got two young girls, eight and nine years old and uh, my wife, and they're moving down here soon, but it's about the people too, right? And all the people that I met in the interview process, uh, people in the city of Chattanooga, as you're walking around and everything's been phenomenal. There's no pro sports teams here. So everybody's kind of into the Chattanooga mocks. So it has great support. Uh, and I think it's a place you can win, but do it with the right, right kind of people. What was the process like for you to change jobs in the same league? 
Yeah, you know, quite interesting, actually. And that that was tough in some ways, right? I, I'm very fortunate and appreciate everything that VMI did for me and my career it gave me an opportunity. Uh, I was I was the former head coach at, at Virginia Military Institute, VMI, which is in the Southern Conference, which is what you're alluding to. So it's kind of uh, tough and strange in that you're one day, you know, coaching VMI, passionate, doing everything by your guys and for the school. And I made a lot of friends uh, in Lexington, Virginia. And then things happen really quick, as you know, with this business, you know, you get a phone call and then it's all of a sudden interview and it's, uh, you know, within, I don't know, a couple of days. And then all of a sudden you're the new head coach at Chattanooga. So thrilled to be here at Chattanooga. Uh, interesting because it's in the same league, you know, good in some ways that I know the league very well. I think I know what it takes to be successful in the league. Uh, you know, the coaches, the styles of play, all those things that come with the Southern Conference, which is a phenomenal league. But it'll be interesting, uh, you know, both, uh, you know, certainly playing at VMI and then when they come down here and it'll be tough going against our former players who I, I uh, love so much. You have one of the most intriguing mid-major players in, in the country, somebody who, who could have gone elsewhere, but he followed you to Chattanooga. And I'm talking about Jake Stevens, who averaged 20 and nine per game. And I was talking with people throughout the season and Sean Paul, who's with us at the field of 68, does a terrific job. Like Jake Stevens still wasn't getting discussed enough nationally. So to the common person that's listening to this right now and watching, maybe doesn't know a lot about Jake Stevens. Tell America what makes Jake Stevens unique from just any other good player. Yeah, I certainly appreciate you bringing him up. First of all, uh, thrilled that he's coming with us. Uh, he went into the transfer portal and heard from virtually everybody in the nation, <laughs> almost everybody. Uh, and so I think it's a tribute to who he is and his character. And I think he appreciates kind of our style play and then the relationship that myself and a couple of different coaches that came down from VMI have with him. But I can't say enough about the young man, right? He's a self-made player uh, through and through, right? He had no other scholarship offers coming out of high school. Um, it did help that he grew a little bit. He probably grew about three inches um, from, you know, about six, eight or so to about six, 11 now really long arms. Uh, I tease him because I have a really good relationship with him, but he was maybe the slowest division one player in America uh, coming out and he's really transformed his body. Uh, I'd like to think that our staff had somewhat to do with that, but it's just, it goes down to the core of who the player is, right? He cares, he gets in the gym. Uh, when I was at VMI at a house right next to the football field and you know, my wife and I would be out having a, you know, a, a drink or, or dinner or what have you late at night. And after we already worked out, like lifted, worked out during the day, and he'd be out running sprints at 8.30 uh, at night uh, before shutting it down for the night. So just puts in the extra time, eats right, and has really transformed his body. I say all that, and he's a very, very good basketball player. For us and in our style and system, super skilled uh, he shot 49% from three and we shoot a ton of threes. We did at VMI and we're going to continue to shoot a lot of threes here at chat, but 49% as a six eleven center. So multidimensional skilled can step away from the basket, puts it on the floor had a lot of assists as well. Um, and then really transformed his body and, and helped around the basket as well. He can score down low and he's a mismatch down low. So super thrilled to have him and, a, and just a wonderful, wonderful young man.
you talk about shooting threes, which just brings to mind the analytics and, and what you believe. Every coach has a different belief system and has a different level of opinion on how analytics get applied to what they do. What's your belief? And, and if you could share a story about how it impacts your program, what is it? Yeah, you know, interesting enough, we do, we, we're fairly heavy in analytics, you know, on the spectrum, I'd say we're, you know, up there, uh, you know, the 80% level, 90% level, what have you, and how much we use them. Um, but we don't rely on them solely. I'm still a little bit old school with the eye test and uh, watching players play, and I don't think it can define everything. So uh, just giving you a one little, uh, so, so a couple things, we use it, we, we shot the most or second most threes in the nation last year, uh, the last two years, I should say, uh, at VMI. So we were three-point heavy, certainly. Uh, our assist-to-turnover ratio, we really pride ourselves in guys being able to see and pass and know how to play. Um, our offense is kind of a spacing and, and ball movement, player movement. So we were up there in the nation, I think like 12th in assist-to-turnover ratio. Our offensive efficiency was like 45th in the nation. I'm kind of alluding to some of the Ken Palm metrics that you would you would see, and as you know, basketball. So, but it's not everything. I'll give are you, you one checking little... Ken, Are you checking Ken Palm every day? We check it a lot. Uh, my staff is checking it every day. Uh, we check it a de I check it a decent amount. Um, but again, it's not everything. And I'll give you one little tidbit. Just to, you know, I, I, my staff and I kind of yell at each other a little bit because some of them are a little more, uh, you know, into the analytics or what have you. But Jake Stevens, for instance, coming back to him, he shot, you know, either 32 percent, 33 percent, 31 percent in his first three years. So low 30s. Right. And I'd be in kind of, you know, shouting matches, all fun and we're working hard, but saying, I don't care what those stats said. Those that kids are better than 32 percent three point shooters. So. He came out and shot 49. Now I'm giving you the story that makes me look like I know what's going on. But um, so I think sometimes even with that much data, like the, the eye test and, and uh, you know, who the player is and you can get better. Uh, and, and it's a tribute to Jake and what he did. He got in the gym. I challenged him and really, really improved his three-point shooting. I'm hoping he can keep it up that level uh, going forward. All right. You're a Jersey guy. I grew up in on the west side of Cleveland, but now I'm also a, a New Jersey guy. And let, let's throw it back in time because your dad, Denny, started at forward for Rutgers in the 1960s and played alongside the late Jim Valvano. What can you share about your dad and Jimmy V, if you will, and just that, that tradition of, of playing for the Scarlet Knights? Yeah, absolutely. So my dad, uh, you know, again, played at Rutgers. He was, uh, you know, teammates with Jim Valvano and, uh, you know, stayed in touch with him a little bit over the years. Um, they weren't super, super close, but he had some stories. You know, I don't know if it's good for the air, but uh, as you know, Jimmy V was always a personality and he, he, he said he could see his success coming. You know, they were fraternity brothers actually as well. So um, just said he had a large personality at Rutgers and was always on and funny as can be. So uh, it was kind of cool, cool to hear some of those stories. And, you know, my father, uh, you know, played ball, was a very good player. And then kind of my brother is the head coach at Cornell in upstate New York as well. So we have kind of two of us as division one coaches. I think that's been fun for my father. Um, you know, when we were coming through, I think he did a really good job, as you know, John, like you see some of these documentaries or real sports, or whatever, where parents are overbearing with like, you know, just 
invested in every single play or whatever. So my father was there and he kind of said to us like, Hey, uh, you're going to college and I'm not paying for it. So I suggest that you be good at something like figure it out. And you're pretty good at basketball. So he kind of pushed us towards basketball, but didn't push us too hard. And I was able to play at Penn state. My brother played at Princeton and it was fun having him coach us throughout. We had the normal, uh, you know, father was giving you in his mind, constructive criticism in our mind. Sometimes it was tough, but, but wasn't overbearing. So it worked out really well. All right, your, your brother Brian at Cornell. Head-to-head, -head backyard matchups, who owns it? Yeah, so, uh, you know, that's another story where I'm two years older or a little bit less than that, maybe 21 months older. So sure. I kind of always had the advantage. He would say I was, and I am much bigger, heavier than him throughout and certainly now. Uh, so I was able to kind of beat him more often than not. Um, he will say I was a bully. I would say I toughened him up and he should be thanking me for some of the successes he's had in life, if you will. Uh, but yeah, so we had a lot of battles and it was a matter of time before someone came in the house crying, you know, playing one-on-one, -on -one, all that good stuff. So, but I do have to admit he is a better shooter than me, uh, just a standstill catch and shoot shooter, certainly. So, uh, he does have, have that over me. You know, you, how often are you talking and, and, how much of a, of a similarity, if you will, has it been to, to be able to, to call your brother and say, look, when you were at BMI, you're at Cornell. Let's face it, Dan. It's not like these are cakewalk jobs. You're not walking in and everything just takes care of itself. Yeah. I imagine that's helpful that you, your own brother is in a He's in the shoes that you're in. Yeah, no doubt. Well said. And uh, we text, you know, daily talk, you know, uh, every other day or what have you. And sometimes it's for 30 seconds or whatever. And sometimes it's an extended time, but both my, him and then Matt Langle, uh, who's the head coach at Colgate is another great friend of ours. So the three of us have a text chain going on and you have a bunch of different friends in the business that you'll lean on for advice and everything. But as you know, John, when you're a head coach, um, it's not rocket science, but there are constant decisions that go on, you know, and that can be what you're doing offensively or defensively or how you're guarding a play. Um, but back to, Hey, one of the young guys on your team got in a little bit of trouble. How do you think you should handle it? So there's constant decisions that you have to make and to have somebody like my brother and or Matt Langle, who you can lean on and just hear a different, you know, advice. And you don't always take what they say, but it helps you think um, it's been awesome for me. Um, and, and obviously he's going through it at Cornell and, we talk quite a bit, so it's been really cool to, to be able to lean on him, and, and I think he does the same at times as well. It's no secret that right now in college basketball, the coaches have been quoted in recent weeks. It's really hard to understand exactly what the day-to-day -day is in our sport because it's hard to tell what the rules are and what they aren't. How would you reflect on things? Yeah, no doubt. You know, in fact, so you get the job at Chattanooga and there's a bunch of stuff going on. You're recruiting and doing all these things. And then you're speaking at, the, you know, different places as well. And people will ask that, you know, like, hey, what are you doing about, you know, the transfer portal or NLI issues or what have you? And I don't know that I have a great answer, right? You're just kind of new information is coming in every day. So you're just trying to navigate it uh, and, and figure out what you're allowed to do, number one but what the right thing to do is as well. And then what you feel good about as a, as a 
head coach and program and what route you want to go, certainly with your administration as well. So, but, you know, you mentioned that and it's, it's real time, right? So, you know, go back a week ago or 10 days ago, whenever it was, uh, you know, you're trying to figure out NIL and then the big story comes out about the one young man, Kansas State going to Miami and that whole thing. And like, it's just, everybody's trying to navigate it, take it in and figure out what's going to happen. So again, I don't know if I have a great answer. I think from the NIL perspective, you know, I was a former player, you know, again, I'm heavier and out of shape and going gray and all that stuff. But I, I think we all want our players to be able to get a little bit more, get their fair share in many ways. The thing has kind of gone way out there, you know, and there's some things about it where it, it's gotten very interesting. And maybe you have uh, young people coming in and say, hey, what can you do for me before they've you know, been in a practice or made a shot for your program or what have you? So, uh, again, for lack of better terms, it's just, it's very interesting. We're all trying to navigate these new waters. You said Jake Stevens had heard from everybody without giving away too many details from hearing from everybody or virtually everybody, how much of a difference was there from place to place in what he heard? Yeah, great question. So uh, it, it was real. Um, and I talked to both him and his parents or parents, his, his parents are wonderful people down to earth. Um, but but it's it's real, right? So there's dollar figures or what have you. I don't know all the details exactly. Um, nor would I obviously share them or what have you, but I don't I don't know them. Uh, but it was real. And we just talked to him about again, uh, the great, like almost, okay, sometimes when you go to play overseas, right, I played for a number of years, right? Right, right? And as people navigate those waters with getting an agent and playing at a, a certain team, right, a lot of kids just want to go, okay, who can pay me the most money? And they don't look at the situation, right? Uh, and sometimes it's better off, I played for a couple of years in Germany, for, for well, it's known to be a good, stable league, you're going to get your money, you can do well, you know, stable coaches, uh, and then it's almost like, hey, the next contract, what can it do for you in the future, right? Get your feet wet, get in a good situation. So we kind of use that as an analogy here is, hey, you know us, you know what kind of fit you are for all our offense. Jake is a tremendous, tremendous player. I think he's really good for what we do. We put the ball in his hands quite a bit and kind of look at the bigger picture rather than the just instant gratification, you know? So um, you say all that, and again, it's real. So I am super appreciative of his decision to come here and his family's decision to come here. And truth be told, that was, you know, I'd have to do the math or whatever, look at the calendar, but three weeks ago, right? So three and a half weeks ago, which in this day and age, you know, maybe it even been more now, I think, you know, that kind of thing. So again, I can't tell you how appreciative I am of, of him joining us at Chattanooga. I think that this would be a challenge for the common fan to get the correct answer to. But if I ask the question to the common fan, who led the country in three-pointers made per game this past season? The answer is VMI with 12 and a half on average. So the question I have for you is, how much, if at all, did your thinking change in your offensive psychology because of the Steph Curry movement? Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's a great question. So 
I'd say there's a lot of factors into it, right? Um, I played guard. I enjoyed shooting threes. I didn't shoot as much as a couple of my teammates, but uh, <laughs> I went back in time. I probably shot some more. But so I enjoyed shooting that. I played over in Europe, so it's a kind of a fun style, and they're heavy on the threes. Then you see the Steph Curry movement and how valuable the three-point shot is. Uh, so factor in all that, my initial philosophy, and then kind of what happened with the Golden State Warriors and the way the game's going. Uh, so again, you take that all into place. And then at VMI, it's a wonderful, wonderful place. It's a great job. I learned how to coach. It, we had some challenges, right? You had to find the right type of player to be there. So we went heavy into an identity of shooting, right? We wanted everybody on the team to be able to shoot. Um, so not only that, but it was this culture of getting in the gym and getting shots up and we'd shoot constantly, you know? And as you know, John, you can't do everything, right? Like, so some coaches like defense is hugely important to me. Rebounding is hugely important to me. Um, sharing the ball is hugely, all these things. Uh, you want to be good at everything, but you got to know what your identity is. So our guys knew that we were trying to make shots and some people don't talk about that at all, you know, um, but we shot all the time and our guys felt good about it. Now you still get into roles, right? It's that old, I think, you know, I first heard from John Cheney at Temple, right? That somebody was open and took a shot and he calls a timeout, goes, starts yelling at him. What are you doing? He goes, Hey, I was open coach. He says, you were open for a reason because you can't shoot kid. What are you doing? You know? So so we didn't want everyone shooting threes, but virtually all of our guys were shooting threes and they knew that that's what we were doing. And it was partly them. We would you know, keep track back to the analytics and metrics. We keep track of who's making them what, what rate. But I think it's a fun style. You, you, a lot of our guys had the green light and uh, you want to play fast and play, have a fun style. And, and you were certainly had the freedom to, to shoot good shots when, uh, when they came up. You're a Penn State Nittany Lion your best or your favorite Big Ten, Penn State memory story that you love to tell? Wow, yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that, there's, there's many of them, right? And, and what I would say is, uh, much like being a college basketball player now, one of the coolest things for me is just the teammates, the people that we were around and all that. We have text chains uh, with my former teammates. We had a kid, Pete Lasicki, made shots at a, a really alarming rate from three. Uh, Calvin Booth, who's now the GM for the Denver Nuggets, uh, was a teammate of mine, roommate. So you're sharing stories and times and all that good stuff. So we still stay in touch. And uh, you, you, you know how it works. The older you are, the better you were. So you kind of share stories. That's all fun as well. But I'd say from a basketball perspective, one of the, you know, one, two of the things, one is just getting to the NCAA tournament at Penn State, um, which, which was a great thing. Uh, my junior year, we were top 10 in the nation for most of the uh, year that year. I think that was 95, 96, if I'm, you know, my years run together. Um, and then the other thing was, I just remember beating Indiana at home. Uh, you know, Bobby Knight was there, Coach Knight was there. Uh, so they, they were a huge program and that kind of put us on the map for kind of getting things done. We were undefeated at home that year and beat them at the bright, the first year of the Bryce Jordan Center. So I remember that being a huge win and celebrating after. Did you always know you wanted to coach? I did. I always kind of had a passion for coaching. Uh, just because the game's been so good to me, right? And you you want to give back. I, I, I would say two things, yeah. One, I'm ultra competitive. Um, one of those people that, you know, if you're playing a board game or ping pong or whatever it is, I'm trying to win. So it allows you to still be 
super competitive. But the other thing is to give back, right? I have a lot of people, I know it sounds like a cliche, but that have done tremendous things for my life. My high school coach, uh, Joe Kessler, my college coaches, Jerry Dunn and Bruce Parkhill, um, a variety of different people, uh, Ed DiCello, who I coached under for a number of years. So that, that, you know, took you under their wing. And, you know, as I tell recruits now, I've been kicked in the tail or been yelled at a couple of times in my life. And I've had an arm put around me and told me, Hey, everything's going to be okay, kid, keep working, that kind of thing. So we, and I don't always push the right buttons, but uh, to have been a former player and kind of been in their shoes, I think it, it doesn't hurt. And uh, I've always had a passion for coaching and super appreciative that I, that I had the opportunity to do it for a number of years at VMI and now at Chattanooga. What's your message to Chattanooga fans? Yeah, just that, uh, you know, uh, A, I'm super excited, thrilled to be the new coach here. Um, we're going to win basketball games and we're going to compete for championships. I think Chattanooga is a place where you can do that. As I alluded to earlier, we have a tremendous uh, history and tradition here at Chattanooga. Uh, we, we lost some pieces from last year's team. Lamont Paris did a wonderful job here in building back the program. And, uh, you know, we did lose some pieces, but we have some pieces coming in as well. But we're going to do it the right way with high character kids. Uh, to me, you have to have the right people on the bus, right? And we're going to do it with uh, high character coaches, high character kids. And we're, it's going to be fun to watch. We're going to play a fun style, play fast, move the ball, continue to shoot threes. I don't know if we'll shoot as many as we did at VMI, um, but I'm super thrilled about the opportunity. And uh, again, we're going to win basketball games. That's the head coach, the Chattanooga Mocs, Dan Earl on Field of 68 off the carousel. Dan, thanks for the time. Thanks for having me, John. I appreciate it.